your name is? Oh, uh, Jack Gordon. Mr. Gordon. Good. Um, well, Frederica used to work for Mrs. Lippman. Did you know her? No, uh uh. Oh, wait. Was she a great big fat person? Yeah, she was a big girl, sir. Scott, if your life had a face, I would punch it. Yeah. Wait, what? Let me ask you something. Why would always you make the point of saying someone's not a genius? Do you think I'm especially not a genius? Veronica, why are you pulling my dick? Suck my fat one, you cheap dime store hood. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another exciting edition of The Greatest Moments in the History of Forever. I'm Zach. And I'm Matt. This is episode five, The Silence of the Lambs. So why'd we pick this one? (laughs) (laughs) Well, first of all, it's probably one of my favorite movies of all time. I've seen it countless times, and... Once again, yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and it's one of uh, three films to sweep the five major categories of the That's Oscars. crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so, movie reference. <laughs> and it's pretty much the first and I believe only uh, recognized horror film to win Best Picture. Um some people probably wouldn't consider it a horror film, but others do. Yeah. So, you know. There's horror elements in it. <laughs> uh, so where do we start with this? I mean, it's scarier than most horror movies. <laughs> well, I think, yeah, I mean, at the very least, it's just very, so well made that... Yeah. Um, and the horror is you know real so right (laughs) (laughs) uh the first thing that like jumps to mind whenever i watch the movie uh is how it doesn't it came out in like 91 but it doesn't feel like a 90s movie and it doesn't really feel like an 80s movie either it feels like the 70s in a way it has kind of like i don't know it just has like the look and feel and maybe cinematography of some of the best work yeah, of that's the seventies. That's w- it's weird when you, when they show like some of the scenes with like the cops and the cop cars and stuff, it definitely doesn't look like 91. Yeah. I, I, I was trying to figure out like what year the film is supposed to take place during. Um, I think it was filming actually began in late 89. Yeah. And the film didn't get released until uh, February of 91. But the novel, I think, came out in 88. Oh, really? I didn't or realize that. S- was, that's like a super quick turnaround. Yeah, I, it could have been like 80-something. But <laughs> <laughs> I think it was 88. I mean, you know, you know, on the greatest moments yeah. in the history of forever, we do a lot of fact-checking <laughs> and have a, a lot, lot of, of prep. detailed notes in front of us. Um zero prep for this show 
Yeah, and I think like it, it kind of gives it more of a timeless uh, classic feel. Uh, whereas a lot of movies that came out, you know, in in the '90s and then even into the 2000s, kind of have like a more disposable feel to them, right? And you know, I mean that that's not necessarily an indictment of like the filmmakers or the quality of the film. It's just there's just a difference in how they look. Well, even the other movies that are based off, you know, this book series, <laughs> don't yeah. have that timeless feel that this one does. Yeah, I mean, we were. We were talking yesterday <laughs> about uh, how much we didn't like Hannibal. Let's just jump right in. <laughs> All right. So Sounds of the Lambs, great. Let's talk about Hannibal. Now. Hannibal stinks. <laughs> Which is weird because I, I saw that I saw Hannibal in the theater and I probably liked it at the time because I was like an idiot <laughs> back then. But yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, lots changed. <laughs> yeah. I mean. And you would think like, all right, well, I like Julian Moore, I like Gary Oldman, yeah. yeah. So, well, it, how could you like go him. wrong? Yeah. Well, Ray Liotta's in it. <laughs> <laughs> just Ray Liotta being buried right now. <laughs> um, I don't know. It just seemed like a silly kind of continuation on a classic movie. Yeah, I think. I mean, you know, we might get a lot of heat for that sentiment, but. I just think because I, I, I seem to recall it being like fairly well reviewed and people kind of liking it. I mean, not to the level of the Silence of the Lambs, no. but you know, still, uh, you know, still pretty favorable. Yeah, well, and I, th- I just think you know those people were they wanted to see Hannibal Lecter again, yeah. and after all that time, and then they got to. Well, did you ever read these books? Um, I was actually thinking about that today i don't know i think i read i i haven't read them but i think i read somewhere <laughs> yeah you don't well yeah read. sometimes yeah uh i think i read somewhere before though that the book hannibal like differs from the movie because in the end she ends up like like getting with hannibal how did they end the movie i thought that i thought she arrests him i thought she like handcuffs herself to him I yeah, know. I think it's kind of like unclear. I, I I don't know. Yeah, I remember the ending being silly though. <laughs> um, so anyway, back to Silence of the Lambs, which is what we really were supposed to be talking about. <laughs> uh, it's it, it's kind of a, an interesting movie in that we have two main stories like going on concurrently, and they're both right. equally interesting. Yeah. And they do intersect in their own way. Like, obviously, uh, Hannibal Lecter knows who Buffalo Bill is. Somehow. Somehow. Yeah, that always seemed odd to me. That Well, I think everything detail. that everything he tells the senator is, fake. is true, oh, except for true. the name. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. And, uh, like, the, well, whole, the whole story thing, of yeah. how he knows who he is. I Because, you know, he leads Clarice to that Storage body. shed. Which I, I don't, I mean, I've seen this movie a bunch of times, and I still don't really know how exactly that all <laughs> is connected to Buffalo Bill. Yeah, it's unclear to me. I, I I'm still. <laughs> we're gonna sound like idiots. Yeah, to, I know. Be, to anyone. By that, the way, Hannibal, thirty nine percent on Rotten Tomatoes. All right, so I was wrong. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I just read like I think in those days I probably just read like a local paper review, and yeah. it probably gave it like Pittsburgh three stars Tribune. or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um, all right. 
we're gonna sound dumb, yeah. but it's always been kind of unclear to me, like who killed the guy that's in the storage shed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, is that I? I think for the longest time I thought that it was Hannibal Lecter, right? But then, upon watching it yesterday, I was under the impression that Buffalo Bill killed that guy. But how did Hannibal Lecter know? I, know. I don't know. Yeah. Um, maybe he just didn't feel the need to rat on someone else when he was on the loose. I don't but know. Like it's so the concept is like they're sending you know FBI agents to go talk to Lecter to get like a psychological profile on Buffalo Bill, trying to like figure out his next move but then it turns out that Hannibal Lecter just personally knows him <laughs> or yeah I mean just a really lucky coincidence yeah. <laughs> I guess I don't know um yeah it, that's another one of those things that like over multiple viewings has changed for me because I think it, at first I didn't <coughs> I was I wasn't really under the impression that he knew exactly who Buffalo yeah. Bill was, but like when you do look at some of the things that he says, and you know, either he knew who he was or he figured out who he was, right? Based on knowing someone that Buffalo Bill had murdered. Now the guy in the storage shed that was supposed to be a former patient of his. Is yes. That, okay. That is that part at least seems clear. Right. Now, how that guy got murdered exactly is unclear. <laughs> it doesn't really seem like... And the connection to Buffalo Bill. Oh, he was a, a lover. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah. Because right. I think we're supposed to take everything that he says about his former patient and uh, James Gum <laughs> as, like, fact yeah. other than the name. Because the one guy says, or, you know whenever they figure it out based on the um, moths being imported and being stopped, he right. says something to Clarice like everything but that Lecter said checks out except for the name was fake. Oh, yeah, yeah. Or whatever. Right. Um, yeah, so how, how did we even go down this path already? <laughs> I'm not even sure. Well, I don't know. I, I was just watching this movie like a month ago and ranting about this how I don't really understand <laughs> how this all connects. But, um, yeah, I'm not sure how we got there. Um, Let's talk about Miggs and, uh, <laughs> and Chilton. Yeah. Both creeps in lot, their own way. A lot of pretty cool dudes in this prison. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was reading a little bit. I'm going to, again, just start talking out of my ass here because it's <laughs> just half-remembered things I looked up on Wikipedia. Well, that's the point. But, um the building they used, at least for the exterior of the uh, institution for the criminally insane, is a place in Pennsylvania that was like this notorious uh, like housing for like troubled youths, I guess, or something, and like a lot of like controversy surrounding it during its entire operation operational period which was i think long over by the time they filmed this movie um about just like abuse neglect weird stuff happening there sounds like a pretty cool place yeah and it, the wikipedia article made it a point of like parents you know in the area would like you know threaten their bad children like oh i'm gonna send you to this place or whatever 
I can't even <laughs> great story considering I can't even remember <laughs> the place's name. Um, but anyway, yeah, Miggs, <laughs> just a legendary prisoner <laughs> next to uh, Hannibal Lecter. Yeah, I really, those two had some pretty good late night talks. <laughs> really, a baptism by fire for Agent Starling. Her first time uh, going down into that basement where they keep these people. Yeah, I mean, do you think like Hannibal was just holding this card in his back pocket, like he knew? At some point, he was going to convince Miggs to fucking chew his own tongue out. <laughs> he was just... No, I, I took it... I, I just took that to be like... He had that... Uh, he, he had that ability to, to be able to get in Miggs' head. And right. as retaliation for what he does to Starling... Like, he wanted Starling to know that... You know, he did that for her, maybe. Or yeah. maybe he didn't right. want her to know, but he was doing it for her. Yeah, yeah in his own weird way you know being a gentleman yeah (laughs) (laughs) but like Miggs is such a minor part whereas Chilton who is just a total weirdo and creep the guy who basically runs that the doctor who runs that asylum or whatever he's just like a ghoul (laughs) like he is like his the things he says and like the weird looks on his face I mean (laughs) By the end of the movie, you're like thrilled that Hannibal Lecter is going to eat him oh, because yeah. you're just like, this dude stinks. Yeah, it's kind of like a DiCaprio and Django Unchained. <laughs> yeah, but not even as cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, just like, ooh. Like, you just, I mean, out of all of the weirdos and psychotic people in this movie, including Buffalo Bill and Hannibal Lecter, Chilton just really got under my skin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like him asking Starling out on a date. Kind of. I mean, Starling, she has just got bachelors pursuing her nonstop. Yeah, on both sides of the bars. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. um, Including those two super cool dudes that work at the library. Yeah, who, like, I think we talked about this before. They're really reminiscent of those guys from the X-Files. Like the, <laughs> yeah, uh, the lone gunman. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah so... I think like what separates a film like this from like a lot of the things that come out nowadays or a lot of films that just are similar in theme but like not as good is just it it has great actors but like it takes its time developing the characters. Yeah. Uh, the pace is relaxed enough yes. so that the viewer can like inhabit their world. Right a little bit more um and even though we were just kind of complaining about some of the things not connecting well enough on like one screening i think in a way that's better because it's just like you know you're forced to engage with it and you're really you know invested in the characters because you're engaged with what's happening in the story and it happens at its own pace and even though there's like a deadline that comes up in the movie which is basically buffalo bill is going to kill the senator's daughter right in three days or whatever yeah you never they don't force you to like confront that deadline they they, it's just like no because it's like who cares if the senator's daughter dies (laughs) (laughs) what you didn't like her (laughs) 
Well, she was really appreciative when Clarice shows up to rescue her at the end. <laughs> yeah, that's like an underrated part of the movie. It's just, Don't leave me, you fucking bitch. <laughs> her just yelling at Starling. Um, and I don't think enough can be said about uh, the character of Buffalo Bill. I mean, for all of the, uh, what, 10, 12, 15 minutes total screen time he, he gets yeah. in the entire two and a half hour movie. <laughs> I mean, it's just like such a well thought out character. I mean, you kind of know, well, I mean, yeah. obviously you hear a lot about him without seeing him. So that helps in, in kind of understanding what is going on there. But I mean, yeah, I mean, sometimes it's like you see him and he is like this weird creep kind of bumbling idiot seeming at times, but it's sometimes it's hard to connect like the off screen stuff you learn about him with him because it's like the whole thing with like the whatever skull moth or whatever it, that, that it feels like beyond something that this dude is <laughs> capable of, but I don't know. I don't I know. I, I like it. I think yeah. it works because I mean, a lot of serial killers do have like these weird, yeah, uh, things that end up being their Put, calling cards. Putting the letter under the fingernail. Yeah, uh, as we talked about in was that our last episode? Yeah, although I don't think we mentioned that specifically. <laughs> <laughs> that was a, a calling card of uh, Twin Peaks reference, right there, <laughs> <laughs> of the uh, killer in Twin Peaks. But uh, yeah, I mean the moths. It makes sense. It's a very obvious uh, metaphor or symbol or whatever, um, you know, of change. Right. Uh, and it, you know, fits in with what is going on with Buffalo Bill, like what his motivations are. Changing into a fat woman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about uh, Buffalo Bill skinning his homes <laughs> as as you would. Yeah. Uh which I think is kind of a weird way of putting that considering they're not really his homes. But, right. <laughs> uh so obviously as we find out in the movie, he is he desires to be a uh transsexual but has been rejected by some of the sex reassigning <laughs> facilities in the country. This is something that yeah. could only work in this era cuz I believe nowadays, I mean, there's probably tons of places where you could do that. Right. But back then, there was really only three major... Rejecting as many people. (laughs) (laughs) Again, we're really kind of speaking out of school here. We really don't know what we're talking about. but uh, Making assumptions. um, So anyway, like... Part of his transformation that he that he is like going to just plow forward with, despite <laughs> still having a penis, yeah. is he's gonna he the murder these women. That I don't know. Doctor Lecter talks about coveting. Is he coveting? How is he coveting those women? Is does he want to be those women? I guess I, don't, I mean. Or is he just coveting their body like he wants their body to be his body? Uh, yeah, I think it's just more the idea of being a woman. So, and not specific to them, right? To the ones that he picks. I mean, he just picks the ones that are bigger Yeah, for the skin, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, it's kind of like... 
you know, I mean, he obviously, like, we find out he knew the first girl that he picks, but then he kind of seemingly is just picking, you know, bigger girls intentionally right. at random. But so his transformation involves, you know, skinning them and then creating this suit out of their skin, which yeah, we- I guess eventually he's going to put on. But as we talked about while we watched the film, it seems like a lot of work. Whenever, really, I mean, other than you could get a little bit of cosmetic surgery done on your face, yeah. and then, you know, you really just need the boobs and the vagina. Yeah, I'm not sure the operation was as well planned out. Because he's like, he's got to kill a lot of women. He's only taken a little bit of their Dude, skin. that's the thing. When they show the chick at the autopsy, I mean, it doesn't seem like he's getting the best use out of one body. <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe it's hard to, like, get the good spots a lot of skin you know i don't know decaying yeah i mean it's really hard to i mean not being a serial killer who skins people it's hard to know how easy it is to get skin off of a dead body (laughs) but but if you know call in (laughs) (laughs) yeah hit us up on our social media that we haven't (laughs) created yet but uh yeah i mean definitely leaving a lot of skin on the table is all i'm gonna say is the idea that he's keeping the senator's daughter alive for so long just so she can put lotion on her skin? <laughs> well, I think they said that he starves them a little bit so that their skin gets looser. Ah, yes. Um, but, you know, if you're, like, overweight and you do a dramatic, like, you know, shift in your diet, like, all of a sudden you just don't eat at all. You've uh, got some loose, yeah. excess skin. I guess. Which is good for human body suits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm curious, you know, what his plan was when he got enough of their skin where, the, you know, he just needed to address the boobs and the the vagina. Was he going to cut his own dick off or? Well, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> that seems like a risky move. Yeah, I mean, how I, I I wouldn't even know the first step in like creating a vagina. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how you turn a dick into a vagina. No. I just don't know how to do it. <laughs> That's going to be an interesting operation to perform on yourself in <laughs> yeah. your own basement. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's going to be great when he you know gets through murdering all these chicks and has the enough skin to make whatever it is he needs to do with. And then, you know, he just dies when he cuts his dick off and bleeds out. Yeah, and I I guess you have to ask yourself, you know, he started killing for a reason. He's still pursuing that reason, but along the way, did he just start enjoying killing? I mean, is that part of it now? Is the killing part of the thrill? I mean... So, we were trying to... I mean, I mean killing for killing's sake. Yeah, well, we were trying to determine... uh, that chick in the bathtub in the nice bathtub of that you know luxurious dungeon basement yeah we'll get to let's get to the basement in a little bit yeah but but i mean just the idea that if that chick is the the former owner of the house that he just killed which is yeah which i I think yeah i think it would be because uh i'm assuming that was an older woman and he probably didn't take any skin right from her 
So, I mean, yeah, you could say, like, he, and he killed her for, out of necessity because he needed the house, but... And he possibly also killed his ex-gay lover. Right. That Benjamin Rasputin, or whatever his name was. Yeah. That Lecter knew. But... In that cool storage shed. So, yeah, I guess killing for him is not an issue, obviously, but I, I was just wondering if... Yeah, does he have... If beyond his Blood plan lust. at this point, if he's dragging this out, you know, just to be able to kill more, I don't know. All all we do know is that it makes for a creepy movie and a creepy character <laughs> yeah. in a movie. We don't really know. We, when you analyze where he's going with this, it's kind of hard to see, <laughs> like, long term. Motivations of the serial killer. Maybe if he got plans, enough of the woman's unclear. body onto himself, he wouldn't really care about the penis that much. He would just tuck it like he does yes. when he's dancing the goodbye horses <laughs> <laughs> in the iconic scene. Yeah. Um, all right, so let's talk about that house and that basement. <laughs> that is a this huge is, basement. Oh, always been an issue with me. When you see the exterior of the house. And I mean, most of the first floor of the house. Yeah. As well. I mean, I don't understand what's going on here. There's like eight doors, several chambers. <laughs> a room with a giant well in it. <laughs> yeah. And pl- I mean, if he, uh, assuming that he just killed the first person that he he could conceivably get their house without, a, you know, taking to, uh, causing too much suspicion, he picked the greatest house <laughs> of all time to be a serial killer in. Yes. I mean... <laughs> Another just you know good stroke of good fortune for uh, Buffalo Bill here just picking this house yeah. at random. <laughs> I mean I guess like you could somebody could try to argue that he added like he just dug out more rooms but I mean that would be a huge undertaking yes. that I don't think he would have in between murdering women <laughs> I don't know if he'd have time to do. <laughs> Another thing and I mean, I guess there have been serial killers like this in U.S. history, but uh, yeah, he's really covering a lot of ground. Yeah, and bringing all of these girls back to one house, apparently. Yeah, in Ohio. Uh, yeah, I mean, the asking for help moving the couch into the back of the van, brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good move. He knew like. Maybe not all of the girls that he targeted were nice enough to help him, but yeah. he knew that some would be. Right. I mean, if if I was like walking in a parking lot like that and I saw somebody trying to do that, I would like act like I didn't see them. <laughs> Run. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm not. And not because I was afraid I was going to be murdered, but just because I did, you know, I don't want to have to help anyone. Move if an furniture. old lady asked you to help her walk her across the street, you'd be like, I don't know you and walk away. <laughs> I mean,. I don't really. I never really understood what you're accomplishing by helping an old woman walk across the street. I mean, no. what is happening there <laughs> that she needs help? Well, and plus, it's like as we know, she could be pulling something on you, and the next thing you know, you're in a well. She could like put her hand on my cheek and be like thinner, <laughs> which, well, to be honest, would probably be helpful for me at this point. But, um, yeah, and. Uh, it's great, like how much like weird stuff is in the basement. He's got like the quilt with like the swastikas on it. He has like a giant American flag. He's got like <laughs> yeah. uh, a road map kind of thing. Oh yeah. He's got like real collector of 
Americana. He's got like a rotting corpse in a tub. <laughs> yeah. it, it's just like... Which, again, the practicality of that bathroom in the basement, it's like, I'm just going to wander downstairs to this decrepit basement for a nice bath with some candles. They should have... They should have had uh, Jodie Foster, like, when she first goes down to the basement, like, react as if she's smelling something horrible. Yeah. Because, like, how bad would that smell? That would have to be terrible. Yeah, I mean, well, theoretically, she could have just reacted when she walked into the kitchen because it looked like it hadn't been cleaned. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, and as we found out, like, a year ago, that house uh, just put up for sale over in, uh, I believe it was Somerset County. Uh, it was a couple counties over or whatever. It was yeah. probably like an hour and a half drive from here or something. But um, the basement, though, not part of that house. No. Shockingly, <laughs> that was not the real basement. That was a uh, soundstage they built because no yeah. basement in the history of mankind is like that. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> uh, um, Which I did read, too, that it took them like 22 hours to film that like basement sequence. Yeah, I mean that's I so. yeah. that seems believable. Yeah, uh, a lot, of, a lot of like point of view camera shots and yeah, and a lot of weird stuff having to go yeah. on with like the Night lights vision. going out yeah. and all that crap. Yeah, um, yeah, and as you pointed out, I mean he definitely has his chance. Oh yeah, to kill uh, Clarice, but well in control of the situation doesn't take it for whatever reason. And it seems odd that. When you're watching the scene like unfold and he's just sort of like fucking with her. I feel like it's a weird move that he decides to to go for the gun to kill her. It seems like he could have done like a lot of things that you know, you're a pervert. <laughs> what I'm just mean obviously him, you know, pulling back the, you know, whatever. <laughs> I don't know a lot about guns. Uh, but yeah. I know. Is the mean. thing that sets her off. Like that, where she realizes where he is. I don't know. It just seems like he could have just started strangling her or something, or stabbed her. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think he they didn't just... seem like a gun kind of killer to me either. Well, I think I he, I he just wanted that. to dispose. Well, he actually, I think he shot most of the girls. Oh, okay. They do say that he kept them alive for three days, starved them or whatever, and then shoots them. Got it. So it checks out. Um, I think he, I think like, you know, obviously Clarice, not a big fat person. (laughs) He's not going to get any skin from her. Uh, she's, he knows that like, if she's there and she's from the FBI, that if they don't know exactly where he is and what's going on that they're close and he needs to get rid of her yeah he's probably just gonna kill the senator's daughter without taking any of her skin and just get out of there although he's got to try to rescue uh the dog yeah being held hostage by right at that point still it's kind of unclear like (sighs) she's down in that well and starling says shut that dog up there's no well, I just mean from Buffalo Bill's perspective, like yeah. how exactly he goes about killing her once he's decided it's time. That's true. Does he shoot her from like up there? <laughs> I guess so. It seems like a weird move. Yeah, 
And you'd think they'd be able to tell, like... And, like, so the other chicks that he's been putting down in the well, does he kill them down there and then have to go down and lug these fucking obese bodies? Yeah, it's, like, unclear how he would get... Or if... While live or dead, how he would get them out of the well. I mean, maybe he acts like he's going to release them and uh, lets... and brings them up and shoots them i don't know yeah it's kind of i don't know maybe we're overthinking it (laughs) or maybe that's the whole point of this stupid podcast yeah (laughs) um so (sighs) clarice saves the day kills buffalo bill right graduates from the academy (laughs) becomes a full-time fbi agent gets a phone call at her graduation with no suspicion as to who it might be even though the only other two people that she talks to in her life are at the graduation (laughs) yeah it's stunned that it's uh hannibal lecter (laughs) Um, Uh, (laughs) his escape pretty epic Featuring yeah, yeah. A, Chris, what Chris amounts Isaac. to a cameo from Chris Isaac, who is billed at the beginning of the movie and then is in it for roughly 20 seconds. Yeah, Chris Isaac and has maybe mentioned one in line. back-to-back episodes. Uh, yeah, that was filmed no. at uh, Soldiers and Sailors down in <laughs> Oakland. Uh, kind of a weird setup. Uh, and I think and this actually kind of ties in with something that I was talking about at the beginning of the the pod where the feel and like you know the epicness of this movie is different from like more modern uh or other less good (laughs) movies and some of that has to do with the nonsensical decisions they make like having Hannibal Lecter in this giant cell in the middle of a room such precautions with them all along including you know this whatever maximum security prison and then every time they move him he has to wear like a mask that covers his mouth and he's in this like fucking full body stretcher that they cart yeah like a straight jacket and the whole deal right yet (laughs) yeah this room is a giant cell just in the middle of it uh when these two guys come to bring him his uh food no one is in that room just guarding him and all of the cops are on the first floor and he's like on the third floor (laughs) like it's so bizarre like why they're doing this where (laughs) this is what the setup is supposed to be i don't know i i i don't understand it but uh you know hey it makes it (laughs) way more dramatic and like when he you know hangs the one guard up by by his arms on the cell and yeah. he kind of looks like an angel like with the right sheet or whatever tied behind him and his stomach cut open yeah. like it's just like one of those uh you know crazy visuals that like sticks with you and makes the movie like so memorable and powerful right and yet you know it doesn't make any sense and also you get the uh one nervous looking cop gets the great job of you know trying to reassure the dude on the ground who's actually Hannibal, but they think it's the other cop. <laughs> His face is destroyed. <laughs> like, uh, you're going to do, you're going to look all right, man. <laughs> you're going to be great. Yeah. Um, yeah, pretty cool escape. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So 
you know, the whole Buffalo Bill storyline is one aspect, and then the Hannibal Lecter, his escape, his uh, bizarre relationship with uh, Agent Starling is like the second aspect of it, which, you know, would become kind of the basis for uh, a lot of the, you know, the sequel. Yeah. Um, Boo. (laughs) And then we also have Red Dragon, which was a prequel. Not bad. Well, you have to also remember Manhunter. Yeah, which uh, which was like it's like the dude from like CSI that plays Hannibal. I don't know. I've never seen it. Um, I think (laughs) wasn't it made for TV? I think uh, Michael Mann directed it. Yeah, he did. Um, I think it was made for TV. I don't know. I saw it on like Showtime before, but uh, yeah, maybe I'm wrong. But uh, yeah. I think Red Dragon is essentially like a remake of Manhunter, correct? Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, I I I thought Red Dragon was a better film than Hannibal. Yes, but it's also, you know, really similar to Silence of the Lambs, like mm-hmm. the basic premise. Like, yeah, Silence of the Lambs was basically finding the sweet spot oh, for this yeah. story. Yeah, it's uh Brian Cox plays Hannibal Lecter in Manhunter and the dude from uh CSI plays Edward Norton's character. Okay. Um Yeah, so if like Hannibal is a a great character from, you know, literature, then Silence of the Lambs was like the best usage of him yeah. in another medium. Um, the other attempts, not quite as good. What, I mean, what was going on with that Hannibal TV show? Did that get canceled? Yeah, it did. Which is strange. Cause I thought people like liked it. Yeah, but... I think so too. Um, uh, Manhunter 94% on Rotten Tomatoes, what? 33 reviews. <laughs> Questionable. <laughs> that was when, uh, you know, Michael Mann was, you know, at the top of his game. Yeah. <laughs> Before he... <laughs> Yeah, it was or, uh, no. It's, I always say that Miami Vice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I really like Heat, but for some reason, I always say that instead of Miami Vice. Yeah, I mean, I I was a fan of his up until like uh, everything after Collateral because I thought Collateral oh, yeah. was awesome. Yeah, me too. But <laughs> but let's not talk. Let's not dwell on Michael Mann. Let's <laughs> talk about uh, the Silence of the Lambs director Jonathan Demme. Oh yeah, this is really like the only film he made as far as i know that was anything like this um yeah he would go on to you know make philadelphia oh yeah (laughs) boo (laughs) also um the remake of the uh manchurian candidate i believe or he had something to do with it i don't know yeah that's Uh, a pretty disappointing (laughs) yeah maybe oh yeah he yeah, he did direct that. Oof. Yeah, I mean he he's been like all over the map. Uh really an eclectic uh career. Uh before Silence of the Lambs, he did Married to the Mob and Something Wild and Swing Shift and just weird stuff like that intermixed with like TV stuff and music videos. But he also directed uh Rachel Getting Married. Oh wow. Which uh Anne Hathaway? Yeah. And his most recent film was Ricky and the Flash with uh Mel Oh Street. yeah. 
really just a a strange trip (laughs) yeah that that's that's pretty disappointing really (laughs) i mean does that just mean that like silence of the lambs was like a weird just combination of things that made it yeah it was like uh a lot of it was just the right you know mix of uh timing and luck and all that stuff because michelle pfeiffer not playing yeah he had worked with michelle pfeiffer on married to the mob and he want he originally wanted her for the role of uh agent starling and i love michelle pfeiffer i think she's a classic beauty yeah but i just don't see her i hate to like get like really because this will come off as potentially <laughs> sexist but i mean Boy. she's she just riding the dump button she <laughs> She just comes across as like uh she comes across as kind of submissive as a female performer. You know what I mean? And I Well, this isn't the 50 shades of gray pod yet. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean in the sense that like I I I'm trying to say I'm trying to say this in the right way cuz I don't I don't, it's coming off probably worse than how I mean. Uh I just don't know if if she had and i could be completely wrong i'm not it's not like i've seen every michelle pfeiffer performance but i just don't know if she had what it takes you know to be what agent starling becomes by the end of the film yeah you know in other words she could have easily i think done the earlier parts of the film where she was kind of a young naive student but like i don't know the part where she has to kill uh, Buffalo Bill. I don't. I just don't know if that. I could be wrong. Michelle Pfeiffer fans, feel free to write in and correct <laughs> me on that one. Um. And then you know, originally Gene Hackman was going to star, I guess, as Hannibal Lecter and also direct the film. Uh, he had he was involved in acquiring the rights. Uh, actually invested. Um, I forget what the total was, but a, se- a somewhat significant amount of money in acquiring the rights to the film, and um, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I think that was it. I don't think he he had invested any money in the actual production, but um, yeah. you know, then decided to pull out, and it looked like the project might almost die, but uh, you know, the right people got their hands on it. I think like. Due to the quick turnaround from the novel, I think it was destined to be made. Yeah. It was just a matter of who and what studio and all that stuff. And uh, Jodie Foster actually read the novel and and was really campaigning to be in the film. And that's when, you know, they were going to go with Michelle Pfeiffer. But when she declined, they somewhat reluctantly, I think, based on what I was reading, decided to go ahead and give it to her yeah and um, you know she won an oscar so I, I i read that she really campaigned for it <laughs> <laughs> you didn't read anything all right well shut up <laughs> <laughs> all right so i mean that's that might be all we have to say on that one i don't don't know if there's anything else no another good episode I yeah. think. yeah i would say really? uh hopefully Whatever the next episode is, it's something else with Chris Isaac. <laughs> yeah, we'll continue our run of Chris <laughs> Isaac projects. Um, 
I actually can't think of a single other thing that he was in right off the top of my head. <laughs> the music video for Wicked Games. <laughs> Which, uh, didn't David Lynch direct that? Oh, maybe, yeah. I, I don't know. I think there was some connection there as to why he was he was working with him for... Uh, yeah, well, that song is in the uh, Wild at Heart trailer. So there you go. Yeah. There you have it. Uh, this has been a uh, another episode of the greatest moments in the history of forever. Maybe next time we'll do something a little lighter. Maybe yeah. not though. I mean, I don't want to, you know, make any promises, but really a kind of heavy subject matter here. True. <laughs> Which we approached with you next know, episode the typical D three <laughs> grace and dignity and good taste that we're known for. <laughs> All right, so we'll uh, <laughs> All right, so we'll see you next time.